how long we got? Where's our destination today? I don't know. We got 20 miles to cover. Let's talk some movies. People don't know how to drive. Are we going to get lunch on this gig? You see anything good recently? Not really. Right, we got a little time, Steve. Let's do a podcast. Sounds good. Driven. I'm Steve Haskin. And I'm Andre Shane. We're driving around, as always, Steve. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about uh, this new movie, Joker. Joker? I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> are you sure it's pronounced Joker? Uh, how else would it be pronounced? Hoker? Okay. Walker? Like uh, that? Walker? Oh, uh, like, well, uh, it starts Joaquin Phoenix then. Joaquin, you mean? Got it. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's the movie. Yeah. Joker. Well, I, I'm just kidding, of course. I know how to pronounce both Joaquin and Joker, and I've seen them both in one movie. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about Joker and, uh, you know, try not to crash our car while doing it. Uh, And uh, we'll talk about some other things related to Joker. Why are we talking about Joker, Steve? Why is Joker important enough to do an entire podcast on? Well, it's all the rage. Uh, It's a very divisive film. Uh, It's one of the most anticipated movies of the fall uh, for a lot of people, to be honest. Yeah. uh, One thing about Joker that everyone seems in agreement on is that it had a fantastic trailer. Uh, Everyone I know, like... People who are into superhero movies, people who are not into superhero movies but are into cinema, everybody's like, you know, I got to say, that looks pretty great. Uh, It also stars, as we mentioned, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who is uh, one of the more interesting actors currently working today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, would you say Joaquin Phoenix is the heir to Daniel Day-Lewis in terms of, like, crazy-ass character commitment? Sure. Yeah, I would think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, I mean, uh, I I liked him in general anyway. I always liked him. A big change for me was The Master, a film we've talked about right. on this podcast more than once. But I remember watching The Master and feeling like he was on some, some next-level shit. It's some next-level shit, yeah. right? Right. It, it was it was a monumental performance. And, and, you know, of course, this is... This was after he already won the Academy Award, right? For, yeah, for, for the Johnny line. Cash yeah, yeah. film. And, and which was also fairly amazing. Yeah. I, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, he uh, did his own singing, man. Yeah. He, you know, he 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 carried it off. For a guy who doesn't look a lot like Johnny Cash, he carried it off pretty he well. He did about as well a job as maybe you could do. It's just one of those like Johnny Cash was such a singular individual in yeah. our country's history that you're kind of like, well, no matter what, you're not Johnny Cash. Right. Right. Which Nobody isn't his is. fault, but I guess he did take the paycheck, right? So, kind of. He did. Fault. Well, he took the paycheck and the golden uh, golden statue. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, he did pretty well on that. Anyway, so that's why we're interested in Joker. I mean, you and I both are. Uh, we. It's fair to say that unlike Martin Scorsese, we like superhero movies. <laughs> well, the, you know, Steve, we do like superhero movies, but as I, as I've been personally saying, I can't speak for you entirely, but. I'm a little bit sick of the superhero movies. I'm a little bit sick of the fact that superhero movies have so 
incredibly dominated our cultural landscape and our cinematic in, la- landscape in terms of what's available when you go to the theater. In fact, I kind of broke it down, and and I believe like the only movies in the theater are either superheroes or some kind of fairy tale type movies, uh, and I think they're all produced by Walt Disney. Huh. Uh, and I just and I do feel that there's a certain degree of uh, uh, well. Monopoly, I guess you would call it, of the subject matter. Is there, though? I, I don't know. We're digressing quite a bit here. But, maybe. like, if you look at, say, your average AMC movie theater, there's, uh, you know, anywhere between 6 to 15 movies playing, depending on how the new releases. And I guess they, I don't know if I've ever been to where there's been more than two superhero movies, so that means it's not even a majority of the movies in the theater, right? Yeah, yeah you got a point. It's hard to argue with uh, with those kind of numbers, Steve. They're the highest money makers. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And they certainly have a... they. You know, they stomp around through our cultural landscape. But. Well, they, 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 they dominate the box office is what it comes down to. And when you dominate the box office, of course, most of the movies are not going to be superhero movies. But the genre is so incredibly dominant in the, in the cultural landscape and, again, you know, in the cinemas, in the box office, that it, it is a little bit hard to kind of break through with other stuff that is not, uh, that is not comic book character related and joker of course prime example we have a fairly serious film yeah not a a joke oh man it is a deadly serious it is uh it's it's as you can probably tell from the preview it's a not a super fun rollicky time not many jokes for a movie called joker (laughs) no no but some (laughs) some a couple i suppose mostly by the opening act for when when oh yeah, you can overhear in, uh, in the Stanley Comedy thing. Yes, but. yes. So uh, after that little long intro, we are gonna, so Joker's this movie where uh, Todd Phillips, the director, Todd Phillips has normally directed comedies. Uh, he did direct a movie called War Dogs, which I have. Did you see War Dogs? Yeah, I've seen War Dogs. It's not good. It. Yeah, not good. It's not good. I don't oh, like okay. it. No. All right. No, it's it's you know it's just another Goodfellas ripoff, and yeah. and uh, and frankly, there's a there's a better version of that film called Lord of War with Nicolas Cage a few years back, starring ironically as Nicolas Cage's brother, Jared Leto, the oh, person yeah. who played Joker, played Joker previously. Yeah. So Todd Phillips is a man, though, who's mostly known for directing comedies. Primarily, he did the Hangover trilogy, but he also did uh, Old School and uh, Starsky and Hutch, two comedies I, I actually quite like. Yeah, and, uh, I think totally. his timings are good on that. Uh, I think Old School's as funny as the next guy. And I actually thought the Starsky and Hutch with uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson is kind of underrated. Underrated. It's just like a funny movie. Funny movie. Well, comedies, you know, don't get any respect. You yeah. know, like Rodney Dangerfield used to say. You know, they're, they're, they don't get a lot of respect. So when you have a strict comedy director like Todd Phillips suddenly start venturing into what seems like a very, very dark kind of brooding film as the Joker is um, it's interesting right I mean it yeah. could be either a total disaster or you know possibly a masterpiece and what's funny about this film is that you know the, the people are saying it's both <laughs> it is it, uh, it has some of the most varied reviews of any movie I can think of in a while yeah. where there are uh, you know there's a this movie won the Golden Lion, which is essentially the best picture at the Venice mm-hmm. Film Festival, mm-hmm. where it premiered. Mm-hmm. It's got some very good reviews. Yep, yep. Uh, then I've also seen reviews of people who just hated it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm talking critics here, not uh, audience members. But, and yeah, so this movie comes in. We have a comedic director looking to make a more serious thing, but then still do it under the umbrella of 
what's ostensibly a superhero movie. I mean, a Joker is... A lot of people consider Joker maybe the best villain in all of comics. I think he's the most iconic villain in all in the comic book pantheon. Yeah. Both Marvel and DC. I don't think there's any more iconic villain than him. Yeah, and certainly the uh, the greatest, most famous villain of Who would of come our... close? Who would come close? Who is as good a villain as the Joker? The Doctor Doom, the Red Skull. Like, from Marvel, it's there's like nobody even comes close, right? The only one I can think of as kind of coming close but isn't quite as iconic would be Magneto. Okay. Magneto's a pretty great, I feel. Uh, yeah, but Magneto's one of those characters who's not even, like, his villainy is even questionable. Well, you know but what I mean? mean, he's a, uh, he's a good foil. Interesting yeah, character. Yeah. I, I, I agree But Magneto is certainly, like, you know... Pales in comparison I mean, to the Joker. Sure. I mean, Magneto is not on, for example, the t-shirts and the state fairs of uh, middle America. Not, not too much. <laughs> not too much. And it's also important to remember how long the Joker has been very iconic. I mean, the Joker's been iconic... I mean, certainly since that silly Adam West TV show in the yeah. 60s, you know, where, uh, where Cesar Romero played him, and, and uh, you know, he was kind of an icon there, and you hear him mentioned in, you know, Bob Dylan songs and popular culture. I mean, he was iconic right along with a Batman. Oh, yeah. Like, Batman brought him up with him. Even before the Batman, like when Tim Burton's Batman movie was coming out, uh, you know, like, all right. Hollywood is going to spend the money, make a big budget live Batman movie. I mean, there was no question who the villain was going to be in the first. Oh, Batman of course, movie, like, of well, course, it's going to be the Joker. Of course, just who's going to play the Joker? Because obviously, it's the Joker. Right, right. And that, of course, was a Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. So Joaquin Phoenix is following in the steps of. Uh, so since 1989, he is the the fourth Joker. Right, believe, right, right. So we have a uh, we have Joaquin. Uh, I'm sorry, we have Jack Nicholson, of course, to start. Then we had Heath we have Ledger. Whack Nicholson. I like That's right. Thanks. Keep with the theme. <laughs> uh, we have Heath Ledger uh, in The Dark Knight, who, uh-huh. of course, uh, won an Oscar for his portrayal of uh-huh. the Joker. Posthumously, yes. unfortunately. Right. Then, of course, we have Wared Leto. <laughs> Wared Leto in uh, Suicide Squad. Uh-huh. Excellent. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, you know, like, can we talk about Wared Leto a little bit for a second? I yeah. Sure. Um uh, like, did you did you see? What did you think of Suicide Squad? I thought it was kind of a mess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's 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 hilariously bad. I actually yeah. really really can't take my eyes off of it. I'm obsessed with it to some extent, uh, but not with Weird Leto. Strangely enough, I'm no. sorry. I'm going to stop calling him that. <laughs> Jared Leto. You know, I had a personal encounter with him once, and you know, not a big fan. But uh, so, were you not a big fan? Were were you a fan before your encounter? No. Oh, I no. see. And no, then, I mean, I, I, I didn't really, wasn't too familiar with the work back then, but, uh, uh, except he was in uh, Lord of War that I just mentioned with Nicolas Cage, yeah. and he was perfectly fine in that film. Well, uh, so Joaquin steps into, not only is it an iconic role, but it's a role that's been played by some, some heavyweights. I mean, even Jared Leto, all, uh, he has an Oscar. It, absolutely. Yeah, Jared so, Leto is an, is an interesting actor, and he did interesting things with the Joker. It just happened to be the things that people didn't like. Yeah, and actually it's interesting that all four actors who've played the Joker in the past 30 years are all Oscar winners. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, it's very possible that Joaquin Phoenix is going to win the Academy Award for, his, for, for this performance. So this will make some kind of, like, I don't know if that's going to be Oscar history really, but, but has anybody, has the two different actors won the Oscar for playing the same character 
and three actors have been nominated for playing the same character. Because Nicholson was nominated. I don't think too, he was he? nominated, was he? Nicholson wasn't nominated for the I Joker? I don't think so. I'd oh. have been surprised by that. Oh, I thought he was. Today, he would have been. Maybe. At that point, those, that movie was such a curiosity that, yeah. that I don't think anybody well, would I mean, consider nominating him. Does anybody consider that one of Nicholson's best performances? Oh, God, no. I wouldn't think so. God, no. But, but you know, I do like Nicholson's uh, Joker. Yeah, he's fun. I mean, that movie is a mess. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect, I, I mean, I, I, I find it kind of difficult to watch it. It seems really, really slap, slapdish. Well, and they also had to just deal with the fact that the Joker, who is, uh, you know, iconically a very skinny character, in the case of Tim Burton's movie, was played by a rather uh, overweight Portland. middle-aged man. A little portly. <laughs> yeah, a little portly. But it, it worked. It work. Yeah. It worked. And, the, you know, the deformed face and all that stuff, it was weird. But yeah. it, it worked in that film. And Nicholson was funny and good and whatever. But it was, you know. It was okay. I, I mean, I think all of it, I think the gold standard at this point is obviously Heath Ledger. Sure. And so whoever is, you know, so. So, so it's, one of the questions we have to talk about, do you, is that still the gold standard? Who's your favorite Joker now, having seen Joker? Oh, boy, I, I don't, you know, it's a good question. I, I mean, first of all, we, we really have not even expressed our actual opinion on the Joker. No, it's chaotic so, like the Joker himself. The Joker's ethos has infected our podcast. That, it is. Uh, it's a chaotic. I know. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I, I'm sorry to be so jokey. I feel I'm more jokeable than, than, than I normally am. Yeah. I apologize. All right, so this movie, uh, yeah, what do you think of it? Well, you know, I liked it. I didn't love it. And and again, I want to come back to Joaquin Phoenix's performance because that is really the best thing in that movie. He's in, you know, it's, is he it's, in every it's, scene? It's awesome. He might be in every scene. He, he is. He delivers an amazing performance. You can't take your eyes off of him, right? I mean, he's kind of hypnotic, yeah. interesting, and it's and he just reeks of mental illness. Oh yes, yeah. I uh, me personally, in a good I. Way. I guess, you know, in letter grades, this might be like a B- for me. And we'll get into this. It's this very strange movie in a way that I felt like it was trying to do a couple things that are seemingly contradictory. And I don't know if it ever resolved them. And on one hand, you know, you could argue this is just an origin movie of the Joker done in the style of uh, a 70s movie. Done specifically... In the style of a Martin Scorsese '70s movie. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, very, 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 re- you know, referencing to two of Scorsese's films. Sure. Uh, Kundun and uh, Color of Money. No, oh, I was going to say Silence and Age of Innocence, but uh, <laughs> I can see where you're going with that. Uh, now, of course, we're not the first people to tell you that uh, King of Comedy King. and Taxi Driver That's are. Right. I mean, it's. Obvious touch points. In this yes, movie. of course. Obvious. It references it constantly, but you know, it doesn't. Uh, uh, to Todd Phillips' credit, you know that he doesn't really imitate Scorsese's, you know, visual uh, tricks a lot of times. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like a Scorsese directed it. It just feels like it was kind of set in that world. Yeah, uh, yeah. really gritty, grimy New York of the late 70s and 80s. Yeah, uh, I read somebody was trying to pinpoint the year, and based on some of the uh, talk on the radio and whatnot, they, uh, somebody had it pinned right around 1980. 
1981. Yeah. I, w- I was actually thinking that as I was watching the film and watching the beautiful... I mean, the film looks fantastic, yeah. actually. The, the the art direction is phenomenal. Uh, and and I agree with you. It just looks... To- it looks so much like this, that New York in the late 70s. You know, yeah, New like York, you really can almost smell the city the coming out The garbage in the streets and, yeah. that they keep talking about. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just... It's very, very New York. And... Um, and it, it just it's it's got a great like atmosphere. Yeah, and it's this movie on one hand is very much a portrait of mental illness of a a, a damaged individual living in you know a large uncaring city that in the in the movie Arthur that's right. the Joker's real name. Right. Um, Arthur is he's has to go to a uh, he goes to profession, professional help. I'm unclear. Is that like mandated? He goes there, or anyway, he has kind he of. He has like a social worker. A social he works worker with. She's, Anna, but she's then, a terrible, terrible social worker. Early in the movie, she uh, his services get cut off, so uh, he's abandoned. Early, it felt like later in the movie that it happened, but it doesn't matter. The thin social safety net Arthur had going for him uh-huh. kind of gets taken out from under him. Right, um, right. You know, he has a job as a clown. Uh, per, you know, doing various low-paid clown things. Like maybe when we first meet him, he is <laughs> advertising like a furniture store. As opposed to the high-paid clown. Well, yeah, he's not like, you know, top-of-the-line <laughs> yeah. circus or anything. You don't feel like he's he, like uh, in Cirque du Soleil. He advertises for like a mattress yeah. store. He, uh, yeah. he tries to go, uh, he has a disastrous outing where he goes to a children's hospital. Children's hospital, bad, and, uh, bad. It's just a bunch of, and one of the things kind of, no one's talking about, which I found fascinating in the movie, and I have no idea if this is true or not, that similar to Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver, who has, you know, for such a loner, he does have a job, and in his job, Travis has peers. There are other taxi drivers right, that he interacts right, with. Right. And they all think he's a weirdo, but, you know, he, he does have peers. Right. Similarly, Arthur, there are other clowns. There's, <laughs> there's other clowns. There's I clown wanted more of the other area. clowns. There's like clown locker room. I wanted the other clowns, and it was a good cast of clowns. There was a the like a little person clown. Yeah. There's there was a, kind of a treacherous clown who gets him into trouble. Kind of a big chubby guy who is almost in the uh, the what's the actor in Taxi Driver? Peter. Peter Boyle. Yes, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a guy who's kind of the Peter Boyle he was role. consciously cast because he bears so a little resemblance, physical sure. resemblance to Peter Boyle. The guy's a fantastic actor. Yeah, he's, he's the guy who gives Steve. Arthur a gun. Uh, it, that's right. Uh, oh, I guess, bad choice. I guess Steve, we do have to spoiler alert people. There are things that we will talk about that will reveal oh, yeah. some surprises in Joker. And the thing about Joker is there are surprises in it. There are some there are some twists. It is not just a slow descent into madness that most people think it is. Oh, it is that. There's yeah, yeah. some other things. Sure. <laughs> but there are some surprises. Well, one of the things in the movie it was interesting is that Arthur befriends um, kind of an attractive African-American woman down the hall from his apartment. Yes. Lives on his same floor. Very uh, cute. Has a child. Uh-huh. And uh, how do they meet again? I'm trying to remember. Well, how they, they meet in the elevator. They meet in the and elevator. They, they, exchange, right. they exchange a couple of words. and They kind of comp- bitch about the building. Right. And, and, when, uh, and when Arthur ends up committing his first murder or set of murders, right? So that, that's yeah. basically what happens. He... You know, somebody gives him a gun, he has a gun, he has an encounter on the subway, ends up whacking three yuppies. Yes. 
Um, and then that, of course, becomes a huge talk of the town. Not dissimilar to what happened with um, Getz, Bernard Getz in yeah. New York City. You know, Correct. Uh, different victim types, but, you know, same kind of a thing. So clown kills yuppies, awakens some kind of social unrest in Gotham City. That is the, that's yeah. the milieu. And we'll come back to, uh, to that, but I just... Sticking with his relationship with this woman for a while. The killing inspires the flowering of this relationship. Yes. And uh, and you're watching this going, you know, this seems... Because in all the other scenes, Arthur seems like a pretty socially awkward guy. Well, I mean, he starts the movie insane. Yeah. Like, he doesn't descend into mental illness. He has mental illness at the beginning of the film. Correct. All right. And also has a nervous condition that's kind of a Tourette's thing. That makes him laugh at inappropriate times, which is great. Yeah, I actually great, thought that was very, great touch. It was very effective. Absolutely, and Worked he does out. it great. He does. He uh, delivers on that great, and um, and it's kind of heartbreaking when you realize that's what it is. And right. you see him in situations where it's almost like internally he kind of wants to cry. Right. And. Outwardly, he'd probably prefer to do nothing. Right. <laughs> kind of like a lot of us, that if you're in like a bad situation where maybe yes. you're like kind of on the verge of tears, but you're like, you know, I'm going to just hold this together. Arthur just involuntarily starts laughing. Right, right. Which often winds up looking like he's laughing at very inappropriate times. Absolutely. Which makes him even less, you know, I, I, <laughs> socially acceptable. A, li- a little aside, my literally my favorite acting moment in that film was there's a moment where the evil clown makes some really, really nasty comment about the midget clown. Yes. And Arthur starts laughing, and you're at first you're, like, taken aback. Why is he laughing at this terrible friggin' insult to this friend of his? And then he just walks out of the room and suddenly just stops laughing. You know, and, and like, you see his actual reaction to the joke. That's that. It's like you'll you if you blink you'll miss that moment. Sure. But man, I thought that was great acting. Uh, continue. Well, so uh, you're watching him have this, semi, you know, fairly normal relationship with this woman. You don't like follow it like a romantic comedy, but you know different things happen to Arthur, and then you see that this woman's there, lending support. And at one point, you know, you see them kiss, and you're like, well, wait a minute, that's. How did this guy... Well, they start kissing right after the first killing. The yeah. First, the killing is what actually, pr- pr- like, like, like it seems to awaken him. Like, yeah. he goes from being a quiet, like, put-upon loser to all of a sudden, like, it wakes something up in him. and has got a lot and more confidence. Does. Right. Yeah. It, it gives him confidence, and it kind of is the first step to turning him into this next-level insane person. Yeah. But then, of course, it's revealed that, you know, if you're wondering how did Arthur bag this woman who, you know, she's not rich or anything, but certainly seems to have a lot more going on for her than Arthur. Uh, the answer is he didn't. Uh, it right, was all in right. his head. Yes. Uh, and so further echoing that the killing is what sets off both an increase in his confidence, but maybe also an increase in his delusions. Right. Exactly. Well, there's an actual theory that the entire thing is a delusion. Ah, yeah, that's all in the Joker's mind. I did not get that sense from that. Did you right. get that? Well, I mean, I think the closing scene does imply that a little bit. He's in the mental hospital all along. He's he's never he the, you know they did they did imply that as a child he spent some time at Arkham Asylum, and that's true. And there is a possibility that everything is happening is in is is in his mind. Well, and his mom tells him a story about his life, uh, which is kind of one of the other twists. But well, then the movie parts of it establish that 
his mom is also that's all in her mind she's also not reliable yeah yeah she's an irreliable uh you know source because she's also extremely mentally ill it's a you know it's an interesting thing the movie the twist with the girlfriend i really liked it i liked it because like all through the movie i kept going like man i'm not buying this relationship and then it turned out that the relationship was entirely manufactured similar to the way tyler durden is yeah. Manufactured in the Fight Club. Uh, and that's cool. I liked it. Uh, but the other twist in the film, the one that is related to to his mother, well, I mean, what is the twist? Basically, his mother's assertion is that Thomas Wayne, the man who is in the Joker movie running for the mayor of the city, and is not presented as a particularly pleasant character. No, no. Really, uh, really. kind of presented as a little bit of a Donald Trump type in that movie. Yeah, and as much as, uh, like, anyone, you know, familiar with either Batman movies or Batman comic books, like, you know, we not generally a ton about Bruce Wayne's dad, other no, than but, that he was really rich. Right. And he died when Bruce was well, young. Well, he, he so was also a philanthropist. He had a huge company. He was a medical doctor. He was very socially active. And, where I was going is what little we do know of him is he's usually presented as a fairly, fairly positive. saintly character. and Or at least positive. Yeah. Uh, and in this movie, he is, man, he is a rich asshole. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is... Arrogant. He's a very rich ass. Yeah, well, he's a very, but he, he's super arrogant. He is not kind to people mm-hmm. in lower stations of life than him. Not particularly. And uh, no, so yeah. one of the things that is kind of interesting about this movie is that it invites you uh, to identify with the Joker, and many, very much. Uh, not just like his, you know, the sad aspects of his life, but for example, this killing on the subway. That what happens is. You know, Arthur murders these three men, but it was three men who were in the act of assaulting him. I mean, these guys. Yes. Were, these guys, these guys were kicking his ass, and and they were and were fairly rapey before they started. Yeah, assaulting I mean, him. They, they first see him. That he they, actually ends up rescuing a woman from these three drunk assholes. Correct. Uh, and they end up kind of kicking his ass, and he goes, uh, "Bernard gets up." Yeah, I mean, they're they're not nice guys. Gets him. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, they're not nice guys, but at the same time, you could argue that, you know, what Arthur did to them was maybe a little above and beyond. <laughs> Especially that last one. Yeah. And really, yeah. Yeah, they uh, certain... seem to be the least dicky. Like, one of them I could see shooting, but all three of them, it seemed over the top. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it definitely invites the, the conversation about the sort of economic inequity and the haves versus have-nots, it does not add much to this conversation. Now, so this is where I had some frustrations with the movie, which is that, you know, this this movie is, for all our talk of uh, the Joker being the most iconic comic book villain, this movie is not real superhero-y. It is barely any acknowledgement at all of the world of the superhero. Um, sure. And it's only kind of towards the very end that you start to see it but for the most part you know the only superhero touches are if you're familiar with the world of Batman you know the movie takes place the name of the city is Gotham Uh, Thomas Wayne is in it and then it's implied that Arthur once spent some time in Arkham Asylum all of these names are familiar 
from the world of Batman comics and movies. For most of the movie, like, that's it. Like, if that name didn't mean anything to you, it wouldn't matter. Like, in the world of the movie, it doesn't matter. You could have called it New York. You could have called it, you know, Johnson Asylum. You could have called Thomas Wayne. Sure. Anybody else. And, it, yeah. and everything else, everything would have been the same. Pretty much. So they have these nods to that bit. Well, um, it, it felt. It, did it feel forced to you? It felt a little forced to me, especially the superhero at the end. bits of it. Well, yeah, the, I did. The, the, it the, felt like, like it... forced. Like the connecting it to the marrow of Batman seemed unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, this movie does show you yet again a scene of, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne, Bruce's parents getting murdered. Like that scene is in for there for a million times. Yeah, I'm so and sick they of those... they imply that. Pearls, you know, man. Not the Joker Could she himself. not wear the pearls every time? No, that, you Is have that possible? Pearls. No. That's, but they imply that the Joker's world helped contribute to that. But that, to me, smacked of almost like they had the movie done, and then they got a note from Warner Brothers, like, hey, man, <laughs> we got to do a little better, Put a little Batman more explicit Batman tie. Um, but I don't want to, said Todd Phillips. And they were like, no, you, you're gonna, there's going to be Bruce Wayne in this movie. Yeah. But so, okay, so if it's not that, if the idea which Todd Phillips has expressed in interviews where he said that he kind of wanted to make, like, you know, this gritty real film and almost smuggle it into the world by giving it just kind of like a sheen of superhero-ness. Uh-huh. Like, if that's the idea, like, oh, that's interesting. But as you said, I don't know that it had much to say. So to me, this movie, it's caught between two worlds. On one hand, you could just have, like, a fun... Not necessarily funny, but, you know, you could have a take that it's a superhero movie done in the style of a Scorsese movie. But at the end of the day, it's a superhero movie. And you're like, okay. Or you could have, like, a gritty New York tale, which has some, has things to say about socioeconomic differences, has things to say about the plight of angry young men and how they take out their frustrations. You could say it's that. But if that's the case, like, I felt... Yeah, it didn't really have any great insights. Right. I agree. I found the film to be very superficial when it came to serious messaging. And it's so funny because when you read, as you said, I mean, this is a this is a uh, fairly divisive movie, so there's a lot of chatter on it. Sure. Uh, as of now, this is two weeks in the release of the film, uh, so we better get this podcast out fast. Steve. That's right. So people will stop really don't give a shit anymore but it's an extremely popular film right it's, it's oh yeah it's, it's been a it's, lot of money it's going towards a billion dollars yep. one cannot imagine that its budget was that of a marvel you know avengers film or anything like that so this movie is making bank for warner brothers and um and i like that concept because yeah i mean i do think that we do have too many superhero movies but i think within the comic book genre it's possible to make intelligent films and make real cinema and, sure. and I think the Joker has done it. Right? Well, and a lot of the movie builds towards Arthur has his appearance on this talk show. Uh, the talk show host is named Murray. I forget. Do you remember the name of the show? I forget what his show is called. But Yeah, more Murray something. You know, it's kind of a Tonight Show-esque yeah. Yeah. show. Uh-huh. Possibly a little more local. There's right. a chance that maybe it's only like in the New York region. Yes. Sorry, the Gotham region. Hemmed um, by the hilarious Robert De Niro. Yeah. So I, to make the King of Comedy reference even more explicit. More it's explicit. De Niro, but this time in the role of the uh, the talk show host. Yes, yes. Um, and, and I just have to say, like, I mean, I love Robert De Niro and everything, but this was a terrible performance. Oh, it... 
It's a terrible performance. Robert De Niro is one of our great actors. I've loved him in many things. Um, Back in the... And if, if ever a performance has been mailed in, this one has several stamps on it. It's been sent back to sender and passed around the office. I mean, this oh is... Oh, my God. And he's so wrong for it because he's so naturally unfunny. His yeah, timing is it's, so poor, uh, comedically speaking. I the same thing. You're watching the show and you're like, man, this guy is... Uh, He's not very charismatic for a man who's supposed to be hosting a show. Now, there's a small part of me that thought, like, maybe in a better movie, that would almost be part of the subversive appeal that, mm. like, Arthur's favorite show is, like, like actually a not poorly written. Yeah. Well, also, I got to, it was like that, to some extent, you know, like, like, the movie is set in the, is not set in current times. And, and that type of show obviously wouldn't particularly fly today. I at least I don't think it would. But, yeah, but he's but, just so uncharming and very well, Yeah, he's just so not a host, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, li- like in The King of Comedy, Jerry Lewis was Jerry Lewis and yeah. and you could believe that he's a talk show host. With De Niro's character in this film, not so much. And uh and then when towards the end of the film, you know, De Niro actually con- is confronted by the Joker and you know, they actually have their little tit-a-tat. You know, I wish he was better in that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole... A lot of the movie kind of builds towards that scene where he actually goes on... He gets on his favorite show. Yeah, it's his debut as the Joker, for real. And he's wearing the makeup, and he has them introduce him as Joker, and he admits on live television that he killed the people on the subway. And at first, no one quite knows how to believe him, but it's actually... That scene I found really frustrating because... It's got all the makings of a great scene. Like, right. the setup is great. Joaquin's there. The things that are supposed to happen in terms of plot in that scene, it's all there. It's great. But then he starts to kind of deliver his, like, commentary on the world. Where in a better film, it would just be better written and you would maybe yeah. start to reconnect. Like, oh, maybe he's got a right. point. But instead, it's just so blatantly like, all right, here's the part where he's going to really hammer home right. his, like, messages with a capital M. And it just, yeah, it just felt shallow. And but not, his, yeah, his ma- messages are superficial. Like, the, like Heath Ledger's Joker had an ethos. Yeah. What, it, what I mean, it was a crazy ass ethos, but it was an ethos. Uh, this guy, maybe closer to the comic book Joker, doesn't necessarily have an ethos. He's really nuts. But um, it was very clumsily expressed. I thought. I agree with you. That scene was poorly written. Yeah, and uh, so which was a bummer because <laughs> you're like, I even just. As I was watching it, I was thinking, I wish yeah. this was better. That should have been stronger. That was yeah. truly, that was not only the debut of the Joker, for real, uh, like in the within that film, of course. Uh, it, like, this is the first time he's fully Joker. He's a foreign yeah. Joker already, right? Uh, but, but also it was, you know, an opportunity to actually culminate its sort of political ambitions within that film, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and it uh, didn't quite didn't quite work out. It was not and, for my mind. And, and I also have to say that that was one of the few times in the film that very very clearly referenced a specific comic book appearance of the Joker. There's a there's a sequence in The Dark Knight Returns, of course, yes. the, the touchstone of Joker stories that deals with you know with with him going on a late night talk show. And uh, pretty much doing something similar to what he ends up doing in this film. So yeah. it was a direct call out to that, you know. It's and it's like, uh, so that was kind of fun, fun to see. Again, didn't work very well. Like, like, like as the 
climax of the film, not, not yeah. great for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it not kind terrible. of in terms of narrative, but you, know, you just wish it was all done a little bit better. Right, right. Um, I, I, I do think... Uh, it did, though. It also led to a thing uh, we kind of talked about before we started rolling, that one interesting aspect is that you watch this movie and the Arthur Joker character, I mean, just seems like a very damaged mentally ill person yeah uh but very internally so i mean he i guess what i mean by that is this guy doesn't seem to have much control over anything including like his own actions and one of the things about the joker character which is why maybe making this movie seems like an awkward fit in the world of batman is that you know the joker as you said he's always had a crazy ethos but the joker also like plans things he has schemes he has like he's a criminal genius. People who work for him, yeah. like he, he does things, right. and it's really hard to imagine this Joker planning anything. Right? I mean, he uh, masterminding some some complex plot. He seems barely capable of feeding himself, much well, less that he would have any sort of yeah, like a, a crime caper that would involve like steps. Right. Well, I mean, again. Like, his his transformation into this version of the Joker, like, what does he actually do as the Joker? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he shoots people in the head. So what, well, the, what the movie, this whole take, it, I, I guess maybe it's just a completely new take on the Joker character, which is that this movie very much posits Joker as... Like, his environment has a lot to do with what happened to him. Right. And then, furthermore, as the movie progresses, you know, he does some actions that create it. You know, he has, like, followers by default. So, you know, the movie kind of, towards the end, you see him being exalted by a crowd right, of right. Uh, people in clown masks. Yes. But that was not really anything. I mean, all he did was kill someone. Yeah. He didn't incite, you know, like he's caught up in it as much as anyone else. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not exactly the ringleader of this mob. No, it's he more, becomes this more like some symbolic figurehead. Yeah, but he has no control over these not what these people are doing no. or what, you know. Well, and he openly states that he is not politically affiliated with them. I mean, we're talking about anarchists and far left wing rabble rousers like in within the film that's yes. that's who is like starts following the joker right yes right yeah, it's, it's like antifa of, uh, starts wearing fucking joker masks yes right? it's an extreme version of class warfare with the right. idea is that since the rich are trying to fuck you so much that they're never going to like change for the better so one solution is to just burn it all down eat the rich yeah all right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the movie posits this, but at the same time, you know, the Joker himself is not, he's not into any of it. Well, that. if anything, if the Joker is a victim of it. Or if he has any connection to it, it's almost like he gets excited because he thinks, he starts to notice that he's a symbol of this movement. Right. So that might be the first time he himself is into the movement. Yeah. You know, like he has a personal vendetta against Thomas Wayne. But he doesn't necessarily have a personal vendetta against the rich. He doesn't seem that interested in it. No. You know? No. But then the only time he tries to express interest in in it is when he's, you know, he starts to see that around him. Like, oh, well, these people seem to like me. Well, what are they into? So I guess I'll be into that, too. 
So the Joker more is a follower than a leader. It seems like it. And again, he does not seem like he's going to involve into, evolve eventually into some criminal mastermind either. He doesn't seem like that guy. I could see that guy continue to, you know, to commit an occasional murder here and there. But there's going to be a long leap before he becomes the Joker that we all know, who is kind of brilliant at causing mayhem. Yeah. You know, and not just like you know, kind of just leading a blind crowd of, you know, political radicals to, on, you know, to steal some VCRs or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of weird. And then again, it ties back to Thomas Wayne. And, you know, we, we said we we're going to spoil shit. We, had, we, we, we spoiled one thing, but I'm going to spoil the other one. The movie posits the possibility that uh, the Joker and Batman are half-brothers. Yeah. That, in fact, Joker's mom had an, you know, had an affair with Thomas Wayne, and the result was Arthur Fleck. And the movie then kind of counters that and says, oh, that's not true. And it counters that on a couple of different levels, one of the levels being that Arthur is, in fact, adopted. So he could never really be a blood brother of Batman. But the, but the movie also does put a little question mark on that overall thing. I, I don't think it, it commits to debunking the brother narrative too much. You know, I think it leaves a little possibility open for it, which I actually kind of like. Yeah. But... Again, I and I don't mind that whole. What do you think of that? Like them being the 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 possibility that they may be half brothers. I thought it was an interesting twist, and then also really up the stakes for the Arthur's whole relationship with the Wayne family. Yeah, because at the beginning of the movie, Arthur just thinks his mom is a disgruntled, crazy former employee. Right. But then once he thinks that Thomas Wayne might actually be his dad, then it certainly, you know, it lends a lot more drama to now he's seeking out Thomas right, Wayne. Right, right, right. Then there's the whole scene where he, you know, interacts with a young Bruce by the gates of the Wayne mansion. Right, right. Uh, which is kind of a creepy, it's a good creepy, creepy scene. scene but, I yeah. like it. And you get, uh, you know, Alfred in there who's who's very good. and uh, yeah. And, I mean, again, like, I felt like they were obligated to make the connection. I, like yourself, don't feel like Todd Phillips was, like, all, all about that no. part of the story. Well, that all, everything I just it. described to you would have worked fine without any sort of Batman sheen to it. Exactly. And it, which means that when they actually end up killing Thomas and Martha Wayne in front of their son, like we've seen a million times in that alley, and connecting it to those Joker protests... That doesn't work for me. That's so... I mean, it just felt like it was like gilding the lily, as they say. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was unnecessary. It was unnecessary touch. It was completely, completely unnecessary. And I actually didn't like it. I felt it was kind of pandering. Well, it also... Then if you... If the whole point, right, is to make like a more personal connection between Batman and the Joker, you also have to extrapolate and think about that in the world of this movie... You know, by the time Bruce Wayne would actually become the Joker, that the Joker then would be, like, in his upper 50s or early 60s. <laughs> well, you know, the, if age, He'd be Jack Nicholson. He would pretty much be Jack Nicholson, wouldn't he? Yeah. Interesting. It's an interesting concept. I, I mean, age doesn't particularly play a huge role in comic books, as you know. No. Uh, characters are no, always they, they, the same age. They fudge it a lot. Superman is always 29 yeah. years old, I you, read somewhere. You can adjust things. And uh, his birthday is February 29th. Oh. You can uh, adjust things depending on, uh, 
your needs for your narrative. Well, that kind of coming back, like actually bringing the comic book thing back into it. Do you think they should should Joaquin be the Joker in a in an actual Batman movie, or should this be its own standalone thing? <laughs> well, I mean, considering that the movie is going to make a billion dollars, I. I don't know much, Steve, but I have a feeling we're going to see Joaquin playing this character again. And I think, honestly, what the way they structured this film, there's room for that character to grow within Joaquin. You see what I'm saying? Like, Joaquin could take this character in a somewhat new direction and a more, maybe make him more like the Joker we know. Yeah, so in jo- Joker, Joker 2, we'll, we'll start to develop... Well, he'll, uh, first of all, he'll take off the schemes. nose makeup. You know, yeah. the the red thing on the nose and the triangles under the eyes, the yeah. Harlequin thing, those will be removed. That's right, just to adjust I know, the I know it's yeah. superficial, but the makeup does need to be adjusted a little bit. Um, and, um, and no, I, I think he'll be back. I don't know if he'll be back in the Robert Pattinson film, but he will be back, Steve, I guarantee you. Yeah. And I want him to be back. I, I actually, you know, here's the thing. We always bitch... You know, movies that don't take chances and movies that are just middle of the road and are just like, yeah, it's a, it's another superhero movie, nothing new, blah, 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 blah. And here, you know, we have to admit that Todd Phillips took, took, took a chance, first of all, to make a movie where your protagonist is a villainous psychopath, which, of course released like a whole like it just opened the gates of hell on twitter right (laughs) which all of a sudden now it's a controversial movie and everybody's arguing about you know should it be released does it trigger violence i mean for starters steve we've had this conversation a million times as a society right sure movies do not cause violence psychopaths may use movies to do commit violence if mo- those movies did not exist, those psychopaths would have still committed probably the same acts of violence. Okay? So the guy who shot Reagan was seriously effect- affected by taxi driver, but it didn't drive him insane. It didn't take a sane person and turn him into a psychopath, right? So, and, and you know, same with the guy who shot John Lennon and so on and so forth. I mean, name them off. Same with the guy who shot up the theater in 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 Denver on the, upon the release of uh, The Dark Knight when that came out. You know, these people are psychos. I think it's a it's a conversation we've always had since the beginning of cinema, and we always will have. So now we're having it again about yeah. This. I mean, I it, I agree with everything you just said, and it's. This is the first movie we've, we've... I feel like it's been a little bit since we've had these discussions about is it irresponsible for this movie to exist? Yeah, no. Because there is an aspect of this movie that this movie, for most of it, feels pretty real. It does. Like it feels plausible yeah. that this character could exist. Yep. And so we have the story of a damaged, lonely guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who gets off his meds and he feels kind of powerless. Yep. And the only thing that starts to make him feel like he has some agency just in the world is killing people. Uh-huh. <laughs> once, as we said, once he starts killing people, all of a sudden doors start opening up for him, at least emotionally. Right. He, uh, he starts feeling better about his life, starts feeling like maybe he's not an invisible like speck in the city. Uh, and, you know, you can argue that's not the best life lesson, but it's not... 
I don't blame Todd Phillips or any Joaquin Phoenix or DC or any of these people for contributing to any possible violence. To psychosis in the world. Well, you know, that is our opinion. Other people would probably disagree with it, but that's, that's what I think. Because once we start blaming art for inspiring... Uh, violence, provoking stuff. Then, literally, we're 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 just censoring ourselves out of existence. I'm sorry, like, like it just it just can't do that. But this movie, in my opinion, used this argument as a gigantic marketing ploy. Yeah, that uh, that's an interesting idea. But yeah, it seems to have worked, Steve. Because again, the movie is just literally printing money at the box office, and it's stunning that it is because if it's not a, a good time film. No, and it's uh, it's an old trick that uh, the teenagers of the world uh, and, and a lot of adults, anytime you tell somebody, like, you know, you shouldn't see this, they're like, yeah. there's a certain group of people who are like, well, when, yes. I want the ticket more now. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Create the impression it's a naughty, forbidden film that's been banned somewhere and, and people will run out. Anything they don't want you to see. They I don't think. want you to see the They Joker. don't want you to They. They. I don't know who they are, but, but you know, but whatever. We should I, make a horror movie that's just called They. they. I think a, there was Them. Was that the was Ants? Them. them was the Ants. Ants. But we don't, they. Yeah. It's the sequel to Us. Yes. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. You've seen Us. Steve, let's not give this gold away. Ah, all right. Maybe we'll get this part out. <laughs> four of our listeners may steal this. Ah. You know, the, the controversy is a big part of it. And then there's another kind of side controversy that I find interesting. And that's a controversy related to Martin Scorsese. Now, we already mentioned that Joker seems to take place in... A Martin Scorsese universe of a certain time, yeah. right? Uh, and now comes along actual Martin Scorsese, who has a big film, The Irishman, coming out in the next couple of weeks that we will be talking about. Sure. I have a feeling there's a lot to talk about there. Um, but uh, Martin Scorsese, for some reason, decided to go to war with Marvel and its billions of followers and uh, state that Marvel films are not real cinema. And... Uh, uh, and my question, Marius Scorsese, is the Joker real cinema? Well, why don't you answer that? Is it? Is it real cinema? Well, I guess, uh, do we have to define real cinema? Well, Martin Scorsese's point was that superhero movies, and particularly Marvel movies, cannot be considered cinema because they are really not constructed like cinema. They are not self-contained. They depend on the familiarity with the larger Marvel universe and most of them, especially the most successful ones being the Avengers movies cannot exist out of a pre-existing universe that they're set at. And Scorsese's take on that is that that makes them something other than cinema. And you and I have actually talked about that. I kind of agree with Scorsese on this point. Now, I don't want to insult Marvel movies by saying they're not artistic or they're not well done but cinema as we understood it throughout the history of cinema or at least uh, throughout the history of like art cinema uh i don't know if i would include you know thor ragnarok in that or the the last two avengers films which were good and entertaining and fun and even emotionally moving on some level but i think scorsese's right 
Yeah, so, well, I guess based on that, I would say the Joker would qualify as cinema. Because I do feel they're trying to do some things with this movie. I they agree. Are, uh, they're agree. trying to express some things. So I guess my thing is, it's not that they're not trying things or doing all the goals they had. I just feel it's a bit shallow in the execution. Yeah, exactly. I, I think ultimately it does not deliver on its promise of, uh, you know, political agitation quite as much as it seems to want to. But, um, but you know, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. I will also admit that uh, that I do think this is cinema. Yeah. And if it type, if it uh, taps into anything, in some ways, it even more so than the superhero thing, is uh, there's a writer I follow on Twitter named Tom Brehan who pointed out that uh, it, big time for evil clouds. Like the two biggest movies of the fall are Joker and It 2. Uh-huh. Both oh, yeah. about evil clowns. True, true. And that if you go into like a Halloween store, like 50% of it is evil clown stuff. Mm-hmm. And they say that uh, it's kind of interesting that we're well past... Like, say, in 1980, the idea that a clown might be evil was, like, borderline subversive. You know, like, in general, clowns are good. (laughs) So then, like, the evil clown was like, oh, that's a twist, you know? And now it's completely opposite, where, like, everyone just kind of assumes clowns are evil and scary. If clowns are not (laughs) evil, it's a surprise. That would be the surprise, yeah. That would be, like, a twist that if you made Joker, and he's just, like, really sweet. He's good with, like, balloons. You know, and the, and that's the surprise ending that nobody saw coming. The Joker's actually like just a delightful clown, really good at pratfalls. Absolutely, <laughs> I thought he was an all right clown. Didn't you think? Like he did his job. He spun that sign pretty good. You know, he had enthusiasm. That whole incident with the gun that was unfortunate. That was that unfortunate. Really had to yeah, do but no, that. he was he was working the room until he was, then, yeah. he was doing well, and then the gun fell out, and like he didn't handle it well. It's he just hard though. Like it, at these days, I think if you actually are a, a good clown, you've got a, a lot of hurdles in your way. That's I true. I mean, case in point, Andre, I had a personal experience at a local festival with a clown. That I was there with my daughter and a. This clown approached me, and you're like, oh, hey, it's a clown. He had one of those, you've ever seen where, it's like, you have a leash, and it looks like there's a dog, but there's no dog there. Just uh-huh. a stiff, it's like an invisible dog joke. Yes, you know, yes. Oh, yeah, big dog. hit with the kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the clown comes over, and like, oh, this is great. He's playing my daughter fun. And then instantly the clown is a sales pitch that the reason he's there is to get people to come do some sort of DNA swabbing list that you can enter in your voluntarily, give them your child's DNA, so that way, if anything horrible happens to your child, your child's DNA is in some sort of list, which I frankly was a little unnerved by. Holy and God, that's uh, horrifying! And <laughs> what was clown approached you and asking for your child's DNA right away too, right away, and really giving me the hard sell too. Like when I'm like, "Hey, no thanks, Mr. Clown, I'm gonna pass on that for now," and he like really is like, "No, you should reconsider." hammering me and i'm like you know see this is this ties into the evil if you want to know why clowns have a bad rap maybe don't harass me for my kid's dna that repeatedly. is a hilarious story <laughs> they should have used that in the joker movie maybe it's like a bad decision arthur made and one of his gigs he could have easily he could have easily been that clown at the festival trying to entice maybe. people to the uh maybe well then it would have been like a cross between this character and his character and like the master oh yeah like that it would have been he would have started a whole new religion, which is similar to that. There's another movie that I saw recently with Joaquin Phoenix called I Was Never Really There. 
Ah, yeah, yeah. I haven't and, seen uh, it, but I know what you're talking about. Boy, that is a very similar film to The Joker, to be absolutely yeah. honest with you. I, I just got a disturbed say, loner? Yeah, disturbed, murderous loner. Um, that guy had a bit of a sort of a righteous vigilante thing going. He was going after child killers and stuff like that. But very similar, uh, very different look. He was really kind of beefy in that film. Like yeah. He got really pumped up or whatnot. Uh, and uh, was kind of a badass, had a big beard and a ponytail, and just looked like a like a special forces vet of some sort. But uh, uh, interesting film. It's currently, uh, I believe, on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, interesting to check out. Not what I would call a good film. I think Joker is better. Okay. But uh, but if you're in the Joaquin Phoenix uh, frame of mind, that's uh, I would recommend that. But overall, Joker, thumbs up, as it were. Uh, You're giving it a thumbs in the middle. Uh, yeah, yeah, slightly thumbs up. Yeah, I, um, have to, I have to give a thumbs up because ultimately I thought it was well done and, and the performance is stunning in the middle. And, and I will say... It, it held my attention. This will be a really interesting movie to maybe watch again in a couple of years, divorced from the hype. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the hype is, of course, you know, it's not just hype. You know, the the Joker did win... The Golden Lion, right? At the, yeah, yeah. At the Venice, at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, so there's certainly a lot of people that think very highly of the film. Sure, but I just mean all the expectations and everything about it, all the talk, like all the, all the chatter, good and bad. It might be yeah. interesting to watch this movie three years from now when it's let it just be a movie, like let it right. stand or fall on its own terms a little bit more, divorced from uh, the atmosphere. And uh, don't get me wrong, in general. I'm in favor of that stuff. It's kind of fun, you know, like when there's a movie that's coming out that's anticipated and you want to see it. It's right. exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and the, I will say as a, a cultural phenomenon, I will say the Joker delivered. Like, you know, yeah. it, uh, it's it's certainly not anything where it came out and you're like, wow, this movie's a piece of garbage. Right. At least in my opinion of like, why even bother talking about right, it? Right, right. Like, no, it's worth talking about. It's, it's, it's very worth out. talking about. And it tends to be that the movies that are most divisive are the movies that closely can be classified as... Cinema with a capital C, as, as Scorsese would describe it. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. You know, you got to watch out for movies that are rent rated 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, um, it's suspicious. <laughs> it, it's extremely suspicious. And in fact, I, you know, slide diversion, but I don't believe Rotten Tomatoes to be trusted again. I, I don't, under, like, like, there was, there, there, there was a moment a couple of years ago where the film Wonder Woman, which is not that great a movie, was rated higher than Citizen Kane. I remember that. It's uh, you. Uh, Did that, I already express my 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 like incredulity of that? Several times in life, I can tell that one really bothered you. Yeah, it's, I just well, I mean, it didn't bother me, but it just like like there's some sometimes there's little things where the curtain opens up and you could peek at the bullshit behind it, and this is a, a like a clear example of that. You yeah. Know? Like where, like, I'm sorry, but this, this entire aggregate system of combining all different reviews just doesn't work. You know, it's just yeah. not a good way to know a good movie from a bad movie. And, you know, with the Joker right now, the Joker is rated 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah. yeah. I, even if you're not a giant fan of the Joker, it is a better movie than Wonder Woman is. It, it, it just is. I would say that. Yeah. It's just a better film. And unlike Wonder Woman, it's actual cinema, like with a capital C, like yeah. you've been saying. Um, it's 67%. It's barely fresh. 
So there's been a real big backlash against it in popular press and in mainstream critical community, community since it received the, the golden line, you know, yeah. when it was like touted as a stone-cold masterpiece. Now that's been dialed back, you know, because critics all of a sudden are not liking it. They're, you know, and I don't know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's hard to digest it all in a podcast, Steve. <laughs> we tried. We do try. We do try. But, uh, but you know, what are we walking away with here? Don't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> Scorsese uh, is full of shit, uh, but correct in this case. Don't blame uh, uh, art if something bad happens. Don't blame art for crazy people. And uh, Joaquin will probably at least be nominated. He'll at least be the second Joker nominee. Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot, a lot to unpack with the Joker. I'm glad, I'm glad we did it as a standalone, as a standalone thing, Steve. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Yeah, that's it. I think it's about it. So all right. We'll, we'll wrap s- up our podcast in our drive. All right. We'll see you next time. I'm Andre Shane. I'm Steve Askin. All right. Let's go. Some people call me the space cowboy. Call me the gangster of love Some people call me Maurice Cause I speak of the pompatists of love People talk about me, baby Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong Center. I play my music in the sun.